Wake up. Freedom's on the rise. Welcome everyone to Freedom's Rising, episode number 14. Today is Thursday, June 16th, 2022, and you are participating in the rise of freedom. Yes, that's right. Freedom's on the rise, and that's what we're covering here on the Freedom's Rising podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for sharing liking, subscribing, and smashing that like button. (laughs) Today we'll be talking about when it's time and when you decide to take back your health. And taking back your health could be the title of the episode or the proper human diet and the way to take back your health. Again, this is episode number 14 of the Freedom's Rising series. So we're still young in the series. I'm not sure exactly how many episodes we'll be recording into the Freedom's Rising series. And we're just trying to get a, a good number of these under my belt. But you'll know me as Tyler Bloyer, the host of the show, and I do other content as well. And I have a website, tylerbloyer.com. You can Go to tylerbloyer.com and view the feeds there. And that's what you'll see if you subscribe to an audio feed, like uh, let's say Spotify or some one of like your favorite podcast app, Podcast Addict uh, Fountain, where you can stream sats my way over the Lightning Network. Um, you know, and if you're going to install a podcast app, I am also now like I just said, able to do podcasting 2.0 features. And one of those that I've set up is being able to accept lightning payments, uh, streaming Satoshis. I've yet, I've yet to receive any streaming sats yet, but we did get that infrastructure set up trying to futurize ourselves at the freedomsrising.live website there. And you can find Freedoms Rising specifically on freedomsrising.live along with a 24-7 live stream where we are 24-7 live streaming Freedoms Rising. And by that, I mean sharing things like the Greater Reset, uh, like the recent Self-Reliance Festival, things that Cassandra and I create are in there, sort of like ads for our you know, endeavors that we're working on through Freedoms Rising, as well as different things that I may throw in there uh, to, that I think are inspiring. I even have some David Goggins, you know, some, uh, some uh, things that will help people see the bigger picture, clips, uh, things from John, who we heard from yesterday. I hope everyone enjoyed that John Bush speech from the Self-Reliance Festival, and we'll be doing more of that today, sharing a clip from the Self-Reliance Festival more geared towards your health, and that's why we're taking back our health today. And I just wanted to talk about that as we get older and as we age, and I'm, I'll be transparent here, 36 years old at this point, and I can see that the next 15 years are a very important time in my life, and so For me personally, I've had issues with sticking to things long term that maybe 
should have been stuck to and through discipline or a lack of discipline didn't carry those projects out. But really, since starting a family and becoming a father, things have changed in a big way. And I do now see myself able to execute and stick to things in a lot, you know, a lot more diligently and in a way that makes me a lot more satisfied and proud to look back on things. And I can see the Freedoms Rising podcast and just continuing on with the content creation that we've been doing here and, you know, building up that steam again, like I've been talking about and getting in sync with producing the content that we feel like needs to be put out there. And by we, again, talking about the family unit here and Cassandra and I have both been really working hard on our projects and sticking with it, you know, sticking with things that become difficult, sticking with things that have a big payoff and you have the big vision and you can see where it could become and you could see what you could put into it to grow it into that potential. And it's going to take your diligence, your, your, your time and attention and working on things at times when you might not feel like working on it and picking that project back up and getting back on the horse and getting over the hurdles that you need to get over. And then, you know, taking massive action and massive action and massive action and getting through those hurdles. And we still have a lot of that to do. But if you can find something worth doing, and if you can find something that you can stick to and work on, and that is going to have a a payoff for you and whether that's a financial payoff or the work we're doing here is is trying to make a wave trying to make wake in the world in the shift of consciousness into helping people and younger people see that there are ways that we can participate to make things better and that it's always not just doom and gloom and you know oh you know the shit's hitting the fan and the, you know like we've talked about here before like the Klaus Schwab is coming to eat the bugs with you. Also, he won't be eating them. Only you will be eating the bugs and owning nothing and being very happy. And as we integrate the robots into your brain, you won't even know that you are not eating real food and that you are in a simulation we call the metaverse. The opportunities are immense and we are here to shape the universe in our order. You know, that is, uh, again, something that isn't the only way of being on this planet. And that's, you know, although they sound like this is exactly all the stakeholders will have the capital of the humans in hand. Um, just because they, they, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, just because they plan the world in their, in this way, in the vision that they see, you know, that's the way that the the new world order is going to be moving forward. That doesn't mean that we need to live that way, right? And there's other options and finding something. And again, you know, some people, their interests and hobbies and ha patterns and habits might not have anything to do with what we've been talking about on Freedoms Rising, with working towards, you know, waking people up in, in the world, with uh, shifting consciousness, with bringing more love, truth, freedom, and prosperity into the world. We understand, and I understand that there's not, you know, that's not just something that everyone's thriving and working towards. But it's at least something that we can start to bring more awareness to 
and start to bring more attention to in the world that there are ways of living and being in the world that help to produce those things and to reduce the amount of human suffering by not walking and blindly following into total darkness and slavery uh, of the mind and physically even. So what we're going to be talking about today does relate to that, but let's get into it. I'm going to be reading here from a copy of When You Decide to Take Back Your Health. This is something Cassandra wrote, uh, Cassandra, my wife and partner who is doing a mini course that she offers for free on her website from alteats.life. And you can sign up right there at the top. There's an email sign up. And when you sign up, you'll get access to uh, her Kajabi course. And that Kajabi course is the Alt Eats mini course. And currently we have this article published in there along with some courses that you can take to get an idea for what, you know, Alt Eats is all about. And there's an alt flower course and a simply chocolate course and uh, more things in the works that we'll be publishing to that. And you get, you know, other things like access to her discord server and being able to get the newsletter that we send out and a number of other things that you can get by signing up for that. But anyways, this article is posted in the course there and you can read it when you sign up, but we're going to go ahead today and give a sneak preview of that and read it into the podcast, something that I helped edit and, uh, you know, was the editor on that. So she, and then we published it together. So we worked on that article together and I'll be reading when you decide to take back your health. And then what we'll be getting into is the speech from Dr. Ken Berry, who spoke at the self-reliance festival over Last weekend, June 11th and 12th, his speech was on the 11th, and we were both listening to it and thought that it was pretty good information, and, you know, not everything he says is something that we have to fully agree with. He definitely, you know, uses a lot of big boy language, so if you don't like the the cussing and the swearing, then probably just don't even want to listen to the Ken Berry (laughs) speech. And speaking of that, I was talking about getting this podcast uh, feed on to Apple iTunes just to be able to reach a wider audience. It's not like I'm like a big, you know, supporter of what iTunes or Apple does or the things that they're all about. But the point was just to expand out to the, you know, missing component, because I know a lot of people have iPhones and they don't install a different podcast app. They use the inherent apps that are on it and they may not be able to subscribe easily to the podcast through that device if they're on an iPhone. So I made and but I'm bringing that up because I think they're more strict about like, you know, you have to have the proper rating on the podcast. And if you're using copyright and material, and that's why I've always just, you know, kind of strayed away from that, because I want to do and say and be who I want to be and play what I want to play on the show without needing to worry about, uh, you know, oh, what, you know, is this thing going to get taken down? And then if there are a lot of listeners on that and the, you know, the feed gets cut off, then, you know, you're just having to deal with this problem. And, uh, but we went for it. It only took, you know, 10 minutes to set up. So it wasn't a big deal. Uh, but now what I'd like to do, and then at the end of the episode today, it'll cut out with another Funky Fathers song. And that song is Turn Your Blind Eye. And I think it has a good 
you know, it syncs on with the episode about health, I think, and taking back your health. Speaking of that, when you decide to take back your health, we'll start into the article here. And again, you can get to the article by going to alteats.com, or sorry, alteats.life, and just sign up for the email sign up and the course gets opened up to you and you can get the email, uh, sorry, you can get the uh, article that we're reading right now from there. So it says, starting with the article, whether it's because you need to lose weight, want to become more lean, have been feeling sick, experiencing migraines, bloating, fatigue, etc., the list goes on and on. But one of the first things your doctor may or may not tell you is that you'll need to change your diet. And uh, Dr. Ken Berry will be telling us about that today, I'll tell you that. That's me cutting in here. Now back to the article. Here's where the challenge lies. You're likely not going to be able to eat exactly the same as everyone else. And vice versa. Because we're all unique butterflies. We cannot all eat the same foods. Think about it. What we can eat and how we react to it depends particularly on the state of our individual gut flora balance, which could depend greatly on the way that you were raised, how you were born, how many antibiotics you've been taking in your life, your vaccinations, and so much more. You can see how easy, how this can vary drastically. In my experience, most people are experiencing a reaction from the food they eat. Reactions vary from violently to barely noticeable. One of the most popular ways to figure it out is an elimination diet, which can take a lot of time, effort, and money. Doctors will tell you to try this only after offering you lots of harmful medications. Uh, Sorry, I'm just going back, starting over. Doctors will try to tell you, uh, sorry, let me start over again. Doctors will tell you to try this only after offering you lots of harmful medications and running up a huge bill on tests, and they will test forever if they can. Believe me, I have been there my entire life. And that's Cassandra that is the author of this article, right? So when we're talking like that, it's her that was speaking there. And back to the article. Now, here are the things that you will have to face when putting your diet back into your own hands. First things first, you will need to cook. Not become a chef, but you must know everything going into your body. That takes away the ability to go to the restaurant or grab boxed meals from the store. And if you're also responsible for cooking for other people, you will have to accept that you cannot eat the same as everyone around you. You may need to cook separate meals or skip the meal with everyone else. Unfortunately, the latter is my routine, and I usually use that time to get ahead of any household chores. That way, when everyone is finished, cleanup is easy, and we get more quality time together in a clean home. Number two, exercise your free will. The psychological strength it takes to undo however many years of routines and programming we've had is tremendous, but it's not impossible. For example, if you've been eating foods you like three times a day, every day of your life, then your mind will have very a very hard time letting some of these foods and routines go. Depending on your symptoms, you may be able to enjoy a treat every now and then. I would suggest a treat once a month max. 
The point is to break the psychological dependence. Read my story on how I lost 140 pounds after being morbidly obese my entire life. Just by retraining my psyche on alteats.life, talk about hard. So you can read, this is me cutting in, you can read that in her about, and uh, that is where she's talking about referencing on the about page on alteats.life. Number three, have a good attitude about your change. Attitude is key. I understand how it is such a bummer to give up things you love and you're allowed to feel that way. For a minute, it must go from what you can't eat to what you can eat. Remember, your goal, whether it's to lose weight, feel better, get rid of migraines, etc., the key is to putting health over pleasure, eating, eye on the ball, sport, Never give up, because it may mean your life one day, I've been there too. So, sorry, let me say that again. It may mean your life one day, I've been there too. In my own example, eating became so boring. I'm a chef. I want to enjoy different foods. Now I realize that I can eat as much bacon as I like, and I love steaks with butter also. Pickled eggs are delicious. Attitude, baby. (laughs) And I just want to repeat again, because, you know, that's all that Cassandra can eat. She strictly can only eat a carnivore diet. And there are problems with oxalates and, you know, nightshades and phytotoxins and anti-nutrients and other things with uh, other foods that when she's having any issues with her gut can cause her to become extremely inflamed and, you know, bedridden and in a lot of pain and having all kinds of muscle problems and The only thing that we found that would fix that and at least get her to be able to eat other foods, which is all carnivore diet, was bone broth. And bone broth was able to begin the healing process in the gut. And we're still on a journey to try to figure out, you know, but that's why she was saying with the elimination and now she can eat as much of these foods as she as she wants, because that's what the elimination diet led us to was to discover uh, that the problem was with oxalates, which we were eating a lot of, like in spinach and almonds. And these things are, you know, have tons and tons of these negative things in them that actually harm you when you when you eat them, uh, called oxalates. And people have different problems and reactions to different foods. Like she was saying here, not everyone's the same. Uh, not everyone's going to have the same problems. But, you know, this is, you know, part of what she discovered on her journey here. So, number four, say hello to a new you. It's not about getting back to eating the way you used to. Those days are gone. Those habits are unhealthy for you and will cost you so much once the straw breaks the camel's back and you're in the hospital or psychologically bills pile up or your family is paying for your funeral. It pays to take back it takes it pays to take your health seriously and diet is the foundation from which you stand it's yours and only your choice to decide how sturdy your foundation is for you and everyone around you that's how to win say hello to a new you stronger body stronger mind and a healthy heart to give life a fighting chance it takes strength and this is the end of the article here and i'll start that over It takes strength, strength we already have inside of us. 
It takes self-responsibility to free yourself from harmful habits. It takes growth to realize that the key is in you. It takes an example to show everyone you care about why it is important to stick to your choice. It takes self-love to fight for your life. And it takes a soul to see beyond physical boundaries. We are each spectacular in our own individual ways. Once we take responsibility for ourselves, you will see beyond the expectation that has been used against us and everyone around us. Clear your gut, clear your mind. Alt-eating is alt-living, and alt-living is boundless. Welcome to alteats.life. So, I agree. I think that last statement there could really be taken and put on a number of things that we do, and uh, maybe just put as taglines in general. I really like that. Um, I'm a little biased, obviously, but I felt like this was a good thing to put into the episode, and I'm going to take that and clip that over into my notes just so I remember that those last parts um, really hit home, and I think it's true of, of a lot of things that we need to take heart and what we were talking about earlier, that when you start to stick to things and um, you know create that vision and then put in the work, it really does pay off, and that has to do with health, but it also has to do with very various aspects in our lives, our financial health, our mental health, you know, the health of our family, the health of our our environment, and the state of our community, the state of the people around us, uh, the mental health, that we can't control necessarily everything, but we can take back control. And if we haven't been in control of certain aspects like our eating habits, we can become more powerful and free by getting back in control, taking back responsibility for these things and working towards a goal that is going to bring a lot more you know, prosperity and happiness in our life to be able to continue on to work on the things that we need to be doing, you know, to, to make it work for us and our family and then, you know, the wider community as well and really be able to be in a position to make change in the world. And if we're not healthy, we're definitely not going to be able to sit down and put in the work that is necessary to work on projects of freedom, work on, you know, more freedom in your own life. It's another big aspect of becoming, you know, an enslaved robot that just gets controlled by your CBDC, you know, universal basic income, sit on your ass, not have to work, you know, and not really care about anything and die obese and early of all the unhealthy foods that your, you know, food stamps are basically the, not that there's anything wrong when people need food stamps, I'm just saying, when they are able to completely control what you purchase through all these mechanisms that we're talking about, then you're more likely to just be a, a zombie slave, you know? And so, obviously, if we can't, you know, if we're not healthy, that's a big aspect. And there are people out there with, with illnesses and things that aren't their fault necessarily and also are just unfortunate and we're not necessarily talking about those people. We're talking about the vast majority that have control and power over their diet and through their unconscious, you know, thinking or kind of entrained ro robot thinking, they're really just going through and grabbing the things that are available and putting this unhealthy garbage into their bodies. And that is actually something you have total control over. You have 100% control over what you actually put into your body. As of now, anyway, <laughs> they haven't hooked us up to the, you know, self-feeding tubes in the metaverse yet. 
And so as of now, when you go and you buy your groceries and you, like this article was saying, you know, are able to cook for yourself, those are big steps into deciding what's going to go in. And then, you know, we'll hear from Dr. Ken Berry today about what kind of foods we should put in there. And he's going to go through and tell us what not to eat from his experience as a doctor and treating patients. Um, and then what what to eat, what, what he, from his experience and research and understanding, feels like we should be focusing on eating. So on his website, it says, Meet Dr. Barry, board-certified family physician. Hi, I'm Dr. Ken Barry. I practice medicine in a rural town in Tennessee in the U.S. For over a decade as a family physician, I have battled the epidemic of obesity, insulin resistance, and type 2 diabetes, one patient at a time. Now I'm ready to take this battle to a larger level. Through my writing and videos, I am waging all-out war against obesity and type 2 diabetes. And then we'll go to the About page on his website, and this stuff will be in the notes. I am a fellow in the American Academy of Family Physicians. I have been practicing family medicine in rural Tennessee for over a decade and have seen over 20,000 patients in my career so far. I have been so much, I, oh, sorry, I have seen so much suffering and heartache, all because of the unnecessary complications of disease caused by our own modern diet. Well, I've had enough. It's time to do something to stop this slow suffering from these preventable epidemics. No big medical words here, just plain talk. You can use to stay healthy and happy. If you like it, limp wristed and sugar coated, then you probably should look somewhere else. <laughs> and we'll hear that today in the speech, and I'm going to get into it now. And again, this was The Proper Human Diet by Dr. Ken Berry at the Self-Reliance Festival, June 11th, 2022. And then we'll exit the episode with Turn Your Blind Eye by the Funky Fathers. You've been participating in Freedom's Rising. We want to thank you for listening today. And uh, please come back tomorrow. We'll have another episode for you and check it out. Check out the whole series and you can find my work at tylerbloyer.com and freedomsrising.live and the one great work network.com. We'll talk to you later. Enjoy Dr. Ken Berry. So they're, they're going to go try to find the illustrious Dr. Ken Berry. I want to tell you guys how I met this guy. So one day I get an email from somebody. This is before he was on like the cover of Woman's Day and shit like that, right? Like he was still nobody. He's like, I used to be this really fat jerk doctor and I used to drive around in my car, my expensive car like doctors do. And I used to listen to you. And I'd sit there and go, this guy thinks he knows a bunch of stuff. And he said, but it was about that same time, he was, uh, he's out talking to his patients. And he'd be like, guys, you, you, you know, you need to maybe lose a little bit of weight, get a little healthier, do a little exercise, you know? And he wasn't quite the tall drink of water he is now. And they looked kind of at his stomach like, really? And he went down this journey. And I'll tell you what I think is the most incredible part of this journey is he actually became a doctor.
Now, he was already a doctor. As in, he had an MD after his name. As he went to school, and he's a lot smarter than me because I would have never got through medical school. I promise you that. He'd already got the credential. He'd already been through the residency and the internship and all that crap. So he was a doctor, but he wasn't a doctor the way the word originally was used. We think of doctors today as being this homogenous thing. A doctor somebody, when you're sick, you go to them, they make you better, they give you a drug. Or if you're really bad off, they cut you open, they take you apart, they do things to you. The original, the original concept, concept of a doctor, of a doctor the, word really the word really meant teacher. A doctor was a person that you went to to learn how to take care of yourself. A doctor was a person that said, patient, heal thyself, and then guided you through that process. The person that did active things to you, that gave you a substance, or cut you open, or set a bone, all of those disciplines were referred to as a surgeon, and the doctor was a teacher. And when I met Ken, I realized I was meeting someone who had been through modern medical training, and all the good things that do come with it, because neither one of us will completely put it all down. But he'd actually made that transition by talking to people and by seeing the harm that people were doing to themselves and the harm that advice that was given from the establishment was doing to people. I learned things from Ken like there's more new dialysis clinics in major cities now per quarter than there are like third tier fast food restaurants. Think about that. And I'm like, bullshit. So I drove down to Fort Worth. I'm like, dialysis clinic, dialysis clinic. Like, Holy shit. Now, why do we have that? He's going to tell you. He's going to tell you what to do about it. Because it's my good pleasure right now to introduce one of my best friends in the world, even though he doesn't ever come out and hang out no more. And a really good dude, Dr. Ken Barry. Hello. Hello. Hey. There we go. All right. All right. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Nicole and John and Amanda. Everybody wish Amanda a happy birthday today. Yeah. Every time she walks by, I want you to just. She needs a birthday spanking. So. How many of you guys under this tent or standing just outside of it has been, have been listening to Jack Spearco since he was in the Jetta? Good, good. That's, that's an inside joke. If you don't know what that means, ask Jack. He'll tell you. So I've, for, for all of my adult life, I've always been interested in being prepared. And I don't think that's a, a tinfoil hat um, thought process. I think that makes good sense, right? If you're about to go on a 20-hour road trip, should you fill the gas tank up before you leave? Well, yeah, duh. That'd be stupid to leave on an empty tank. You're not prepared. And so then I'm also a doctor, and there's a level of preparedness you can have with your health or a complete and utter lack of preparedness you can have with your health. And that's what I really want to talk about today. I want to take my experience as a doctor and a healthcare provider and an amateur nutritionist now and an amateur paleoanthropologist. Now, 
and I'm going to kind of congeal that down into nuggets you can take back home and start to implement immediately, okay? Now, let me give you an example of a guy. We're going to call this guy Rufus. Anybody named Rufus? I'll change it if you need me to. Okay, Rufus is a prepper. He thinks he's prepared. In his basement, he has got 9,000 pounds of MREs. Okay, he's got vacuum-packed 55-gallon drums of beans and rice and rice and beans. Okay, he's got all the stuff. But Rufus also, he's six foot tall, but he weighs 315 pounds. Rufus is also a type 2 diabetic. He has fatty liver. He has high blood pressure. He has chronic fatigue. He has muscle wasting. He has this huge gut. Here in the South, we call that Dunlap. Do you know what that means? Okay, all right, yeah. So Rufus takes 14 different medicines a day. He injects insulin every night. Now my question to you, is Rufus prepared? No, die. To die or get robbed or get eaten. Yeah, Rufus is prepared. But is Rufus truly prepared to take care of and defend his family? Oh, we also, oh, we also I forgot he's got 45 different guns and 18,000 18, rounds of ammo. Is Rufus, is Rufus prepared? Rufus is, is, about, is about as fragile as you can as you possibly, possibly be. be. Okay. okay. So, so let's talk, let's about, talk Rufus about Rufus in this talk and the and difference between starvation and optimization. We'll talk about what the human body actually needs. We'll talk about, we'll talk where, about that's where that's found, and, and then I'd love to take some questions at the end because I know for a few of you, this is going to this is going to bump up pretty hard against your paradigm, and it might piss a few of you guys off. And I'm sorry if that happens. Uh, the first time me and Jack talked, I pissed him off a little bit. I challenged him. I said, "Hey, I'll bet you a thousand dollars. You can't eat beef, butter, bacon, and eggs for ninety days. You gain weight. Bet me." And we wound up not making the bet. I think he did try it, and he lost weight. He ate as much as he wanted, and he lost weight. And so um, I wish I'd bet him. (laughs) So there's certain things that the human body needs. We need amino acids, which make up proteins. Okay? This is not going to be biochemistry. Don't worry. We need fatty acids, which make up hundreds of things in the human body and also make your sex hormones. Anybody interested in maybe raising your testosterone a little? Pay attention. Okay? Okay. Uh, it also contains vitamins, and we, we need vitamins, and we need minerals. That's it. That's all you need to be an optimal, vigorous, vigorous vibrant, virile, vigorous, and potent. That's all you need is those four things in the right percentages and the right ratios, okay? How, and so those things are called essential in nutrition research, which means that, number one, you cannot make them in your body. Because some things we can make, right? You cannot make them, and you must eat them. That's how you get them is through your diet. If you do not eat them, you will get sick, you will suffer, and you will eventually die or end up like Rufus. Okay? Now, there's these two entities that I'm going to talk about a little bit. One's called Big Pharma. And the other is called big food. 
Okay? Now, I am not a conspiracy theorist. I do not believe these guys get together at, uh, where's the place Alec Jones broke into? Bohemian Grove. I don't think they get together at Bohemian Grove and figure out how they're going to pick your pocket and make you fat and make you sick and then kill you. I don't, I don't think that happens. But I do think they meet at Bohemian Grove and they talk about how we're going to increase our profit m- margin by 10%. How can we, how can we 10x our earnings? 100% they talk about all that. But then they also have their bean counters and their attorneys saying, well, now you can't do that, you'll get sued if you, if you go too far, right? And so there's this other concept that I want you to understand. Slow poison versus fast poison, okay? So if I make a, a food and put it on the Walmart shelves that's got strychnine in it, rice in antifreeze, I'm going to get sued within days. That'd be a bad business model, right? But what if I could take a, a seemingly real food and I could replace the actual healthy oil in it with an unhealthy oil? And in the process, I'm going to increase my profits 20%. And that, that unhealthy oil is not really going to harm anybody. It's not going to kill anybody overnight. It's actually, it's going to take a decade or two or three before the results of that really start to show. The bean counters go, yeah, you're saving money. Boom. The attorneys go, yeah, you're not going to get sued. Who the hell would be like, oh, you, you've been poisoning me for 30 years. A judge is going to be like, shut the fuck up. That don't even make no sense. You No, poison is fast, right? But I propose to you that there are slow poisons in our modern food supply that don't kill you overnight. And their intention for being there is not the Bohemian Grove intention that we hear from people. It's the bean counter. That's who said, let's cha- let's get rid of the beef tallow and let's put canola oil in there. Save a ton of money. Makes it more self- shelf-stable. Hmm, yes. They turned over to the attorneys and said, yeah, canola's never killed anybody overnight. 100%, do it. That's what's going on. And that's the, that's the only conspiracy that's going on is, is corporations have a fiduciary duty to their board of directors and their shareholders to increase profits. That's it. Okay? And so they're going to replace all of the good ingredients that come in real food, all of these things, they're going to replace those with things that may have some of that in there. They may even fortify it with with vitamins and minerals that are made in a chemical factory. Right? So there's another profit model. Because if you if you try to if you try to take real food, it's my contention that it's impossible to scale that up. It cannot be done. And that's part of the beauty of a proper human diet. That's why I preach this. And that's why I love these events, because you guys need to be growing your own food or being good friends with a neighbor who does, because that's where real food comes from. You cannot take a ribeye and make it have a shelf life of two years. Can't do that, right? Without a deep freezer and all the electric bills and all the parts. You just can't, you can't somehow make that, put it in a plastic wrap and put it on a a store shelf for two years. That don't work. And it's my contention, you can't do that with any real food. I've yet to have anybody argue with me about that. Well, they'll start, but then they soon walk away disgruntled because I I just don't think that's possible. I'm happy if you prove me wrong. Canning is is about as close as it gets. Canning and freezing. You can preserve real food and then enjoy it later. 
with still most of the nutrition intact. Okay. Now let's get back to Rufus. Rufus is lazy. He loves his recliner and his couch and his TV and his kitchen pantry. He does not want to mess with growing quail in his garage. He didn't want to mess with having chickens in the backyard or having sheep in the pasture or cattle. He didn't want to mess with that. He wants his food ready to eat. He's just going to sit down and eat. Rufus eats three times a day with snacks in between because that's what his doctor told him, his, his diabetes specialist told him to do that, literally. Now, is that helping big food that he eats three meals a day with snacks in between? Is it helping big pharma? Huh. So why is his doctor, spoiler alert, I used to be that doctor back in 2003, 2004. I was the guy telling Rufus to eat three meals a day with snacks in between. I was an idiot. I was ignorant of proper human nutrition and proper human health and a proper human diet. So Rufus is following his doctor's advice. Do you guys see the insidious evil of this whole situation. People think, oh, well, you know, the devil's just going to come to you and tempt you. It's just going to be blatant. Like, here's a million dollars, go kill that guy. I mean, if there is a devil, he's way the hell smarter than that. The devil, if, if he exists, he's a big farmer and big food. And in that doctor's heart, even though the doctor may be trying to do the best he knows how to do, that's where the devil's really active is people with good intentions. Right, So big food's trying to cut their costs and increase their profits. Big pharma's doing the same thing. And the doctor is just doing the things he was taught, he or she was taught, by the medical school and by the continuing medical education that's sponsored by... <laughs> Wait a minute now. So another big thing I talk about a lot is this, this quaint idea of human nature. We are all humans. If you found a wallet full of money on the ground, it would depend on multiple factors as to what you would do with that wallet. Now, if you're in a good position in life, you would immediately find the driver's license and you would try to track that person down. But if you were broke as a joke and your kids were home hungry, you would steal that damn wallet. You know how I know? Because I've done that before. I, I was that guy. I was 18, 19, had a kid. I didn't have any birthday presents. Broke as a joke, behind on everything. I took that wallet. I took it. Okay? Now, if I found that wallet, I would track that person down. Everything in your life is situational. And if you say it's not, good luck to you. We probably can't be friends. Uh, human nature is what it is. Human nature, humans tend to do certain things in certain situations. And so if you're on the board of directors of Kraft Heinz, you think a certain way. And, I, and I'll just tell you, they don't think like you guys think at all. Okay, if we've got any financial advisors here, they'll tell you 100%, 100% their goals are completely removed from your goals. They don't think like you. If you're a upper middle management guy at uh, Pfizer or Merck or Moderna, you don't think like regular folks you've got a completely different set of goals you've got different directives it's they are they are human we think but they have different goals and i saw this going from being a factory worker when i was 18 to being a doctor when i was in my 30s 
And I, I talked about this before with Nisha, my wife. It's so weird how at different places in your life, you literally think about things completely differently, even though you're the same person. So you have to understand these, these middle management guys at Pfizer and Merck, they're not evil. They're not like, <laughs> that's not. No, they're just regular dudes and chicks just like you. The board of directors at, at Kraft Heinz, at Moderna, at Nestle, they're humans. They, they, they're just like you. They put their pants on one leg at a time, but they just have different goals and different motivations. And so you got to think about this with human nature in the back of your mind always, okay? How far does this thing reach? Okay. So now back to Rufus. Rufus has no idea. He's not a nutritionist. He's not a doctor. Oh, one more. So the doctor. The doctor's not evil. The doctor's just trying to pay the bills. See as many patients a day as I can, right? Keep up with my CME when I, when I have some spare time. So does that really ever give the doctor a spare minute to just stop and think? To stop and do some research? Not really. Does it, does it encourage a good camaraderie and conversational skill with the doctor? Or is the doctor looking for an exit with every sentence and every sentence phrase? Doctors are not assholes. Well, some are. 100%. Some are assholes. But they're not, they don't mean to be. They're just driven by what their set of principles are. Does that make sense? So you got to look at every human. They're just doing the best they can. So don't describe to conspiracy or evil what could just be ascribed to being lazy or being rushed or being underslept or being underfed. All those things are probably what's going on. It's very, very seldom the conspiracy. Okay. Now back to Rufus. How could Rufus become more prepared? Because all you guys want to be solid. You want to be resilient. You want to be anti-fragile. So is type 2 diabetes, that's what Rufus has, is that completely reversible? Yes. Everybody say yes. yes. Does anybody disagree with me? Raise your hand. And we'll go at it right here. <laughs> is hypertension either 100% reversible or 90% reversible in every single person unless they have a genetic defect? Or an anatomical defect, yes. Is fatty liver 100% reversible? Yes. So what's the, what's the path for Rufus? What does Rufus need to do to actually become prepared? Run. Now, this is a very common thing. I propose to you that Rufus does not have to run or do a single setup He'd probably die, that's right, or twist a knee or sprain an ankle. Then he'd be laid up on the couch, and he would be justified laying on the damn couch because your ass made him twist his knee. <laughs> He's 315 pounds, and she's like, go run, you lazy ass. <laughs> right? Many doctors are that way, and they give Rufus, they, they, they tell Rufus the following, you need to move more and eat less. This is monstrous advice. If any doctor's ever told you that, you probably should be looking for a new doctor or trying to change your doctor's mind as mine was changed a decade ago. Most doctors will say, well, it's easy to lose weight. You just 
Burn more than you eat. Eat less, move more. Get it? Get it? Now, does big does big food, do they love it when people say, eat less, move more? Yeah, they, oh, honey, yes. They love it because whose fault does it make it that you're fat? It, you're lazy ass. That's whose fault it is. You glutton. Lay around on the couch and eat Cheetos. No wonder. It's not Kraft Heinz. not my fault. I didn't make you eat those Pringles. I didn't make you eat that whole box of honey buns. Did I? Whose fault is it? It's your damn fault. Now go to the store and buy some more food. Does Big Pharma love it when a healthcare provider tells somebody to move more and eat less? 100% because they know that shit don't work. They know it doesn't work. There's copious amounts of research that shows that although exercise is good for you in hundreds of ways, 100% it is. It is. You're right. Ultimately, Rufus does need to do some running. Just not today. Okay? But it is a terrible method of weight loss. Proven many, many times over. You're not going to lose any meaningful amount of weight by joining the gym. All you're going to do is waste some money get frustrated, and then wind up going home and looking in the mirror and say, you're a sack of shit. I'm going to go lay on the couch and eat some Cheetos. 100%. That's exactly what's going on here. So we got to come up with new advice. So first of all, I want you to understand if you're, if you're overweight, obese, or severely obese, if you have type 2 diabetes, fatty liver, hypertension, chronic joint or back pain, any of these things, you can reverse that. You can meaningfully improve that. It's The answer is not in the gym. The answer is in the kitchen. Okay? You're going to stop eating a certain set of things, and you're going to start eating another set of things, being real food. Okay? You're going to stop trusting the big corporations who show you these beautiful, meaningful commercials that touch your heart. You know they hire people to literally make the commercials right who's, who are psychologists and who are human behavioral specialists and they know exactly what to do. Do you think there's a reason on the pharmaceutical commercials when they're saying, um, let's call it Shitera, that's the name of the drug. <laughs> they show this couple who are looking at each other lovingly and holding hands and, and walking in the sunset as they say, Shitera has been known to cause sudden death and ulcers and amputations and blah, 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 blah. Because they know that your animal brain is looking at this beautiful picture. They're distracting you from all the dastardly shit that Shitera will do to you or could do to you. Does that make sense? These are professionals. These are people with, with PhDs. These are people making $250,000 a year to distract you so that you will wind up buying their product. Even though they literally told you, Shatera will kill your ass. <laughs> they said it. It's in the record. If you try to take them to court, they'll be like, well, your honor, we made it very clear that Shatera will kill your ass. We said it in the commercial. And you'd be like, yeah, they did. They said it. I should have known. Your wife's in court going, yeah, but he was looking at the picture. They ain't going, that's not going to float, right? They know this. They've been doing this for hundreds of years. Corporations have been around. 
So what is Rufus going to remove? And what's he going to add? Suggestions. Yes, sir. What should Rufus subtract from his diet? Highly processed food. That's I like that. I like how you're thinking. But why? Why highly processed food? Is it is it is there some dastardly magic in the high, the processing, or is it the ingredients? This my friend here says sodium. Get rid of the sodium. So if you eat a lot of salt, it makes you gain weight. Huh? Is there a single research study on the face of the planet that shows that eating salt makes you gain fat? None. Does every mammal on the earth, you're a mammal by the way, does every mammal on the earth need salt routinely for optimal function? Is salt bad for you? How many people are, how many deer hunters do we have? What do you what do you not put out in the woods to attract deer? Because that's baiting in Tennessee. That's that's against the law. You never put a salt block out there because deer are too health conscious. They're not falling for that shit. <clears throat> They're on a low sodium diet <coughs> in Texas, right? Yeah, in Texas you can literally pour out a hundred pounds of grain in your front yard and then sit there on the grain with the rifle. <laughs> Not in Tennessee. You'll go to jail for that. <clears throat> we actually are sportsmen here in Tennessee. We want to give them a fair chance. Okay, so maybe not salt. What else is in the highly processed food that Rufus should stop eating and never eat again? Sugar! Boom! Is there... What are there any essential sugars? You remember what essential means. <clears throat> are there any essential sugars? Are there anything? What if I locked Rufus in my barn and never gave him sugar for the rest of his life? Would he develop any deficiency? Would Rufus actually get healthier? Huh? Okay. What else is in that highly processed food? What? High fructose corn syrup. Another way to be sugar. Okay. Now, do you know what are the what are the 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 products you can buy at Walmart? Everybody shop knows what Walmart is, right? This is a local. Okay. Because when I talk to a, a global audience, they're like, Walmart. What? What is Walmart? I don't know. Right. They don't know what that is. Okay. So Walmart. What products have the highest concentration of fructose that you can buy at Walmart? Soda. She says soda. What do you say? Soda? Ketchup? What? This lousy bastard right here said fruit juice. No. Fruit juice is healthy. It's natural. So you're telling me that apple juice and grape juice actually have more fructose than high fructose corn syrup. Is that what you're telling me? Say yes. What the? F huh. So I love it. Sugar. Sugar's gone. High fructose corn syrup, just another form of sugar. Now we love to demonize high fructose corn syrup because that's what Coke and Pepsi use. 
But honey is pure fructose. Agave nectar, pure fructose. More, way more fructose than high fructose corn syrup. Oh, okay. So let's talk about process. So is what's the difference between a fructose molecule that's from honey or agave and the fructose molecule that's in Coca-Cola? They're exactly the same molecule. That's and that's a, and so what I'm trying to do is dispel bullshit myths for you guys because a lot of people are like, no, 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 no. That that pro, the, the the sugar in Coke and Pepsi, that's the devil. But my honey, that is natural. It's non-GMO. It's organic. And it's Manuka. It costs $50 an ounce. How can that shit not be good for me? You do use less, probably. Except me. If there's honey in my house, I'm going to eat the whole damn jar. That's what's going to happen. I can just tell you, I'm a sugar addict. That's what will happen. There is no healthy sugar on the planet, period. The end. Now, Remember I said earlier, we were going to talk about starvation versus optimization, right? Now, if Rufus really get, is in a shit hit the fan situation, and he's literally starving, he's losing five pounds a day because he haven't, hasn't eaten in seven days, at some point, should Rufus drink the Coke? 100% yes, because his only alternative is death. Should he eat the sugar? 100% yes, he won't die. He won't starve to death. But if what Rufus is trying to do is optimize his health, there's a whole different set of rules for that, okay? Now, back to the highly processed food. What else is in there? Sodium nitrate. All right, that's what they cure bacon with, Jack. That shit will kill you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the, what, what food in the grocery store has the highest nitrate concentration? What? She said deli meat, Jack. What do you mean kale? What the hell? Kale is good for you. It's a superfood. Oh, what about celery juice? Does it have more nitrates than bacon? What about beet greens? What about lots of the superfood greens? Are they higher in nitrate content than bacon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go eat a bunch of raw Swiss chard or rhubarb. Very high in, in yeah, yeah. Go try that and see how that works for you. So, yeah, nitrates are actually, there's two of the big pharma. Remember, they don't do anything unless they're going to make money. They're at, there's two research studies ongoing right now that they're actually using nitrate. They're trying to get an FDA approval for a pill to lower blood pressure because nitrate in the human body changes into something called nitric oxide. You ever heard of that? You also make it when you go out in the sun. It lowers your blood pressure. Nitrate's actually good for you. I know what the World Health Organization said. I know, I know, I know. Bacon's going to cause cancer, but see, the problem is when you look at the research and then you look at what humans have been doing for thousands of years, that turns out that's bullshit. Okay, so it's not the nitrate, it's not the salt. What else is it? What's in highly processed food? What are the same three ingredients? What are the three ingredients that are in a pizza crust, a jelly donut, whole wheat bread? I'm talking about stone ground, non-GMO whole wheat bread right here with seeds on the top. 
or a jelly donut? What three ingredients do they all contain? Sugar's one of them. What else? Grains, flour, grains, wheat. Is wheat an optimization food or is it a starvation food? 100%. If Rufus is starving to death, he now weighs 97 pounds. Should Rufus eat the whole wheat bread with grains on the top? 100%. It's a starvation food, and then that's what we've used it for for our entire existence on this planet. Something happened about 12 or 13,000 years ago. The anthropologists and the geologists aren't sure if it was a huge volcanic eruption, if it was a meteor, a comet, a conglomeration of those, but something over the course of 100, 200 years wiped out all the megafauna. 50,000 years ago, right here, right here in Tennessee, there would have been huge fatty horses running around. You're like, no, 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 the Spaniards brought the horses. No, the Spaniards brought the horses back. There were huge horses here. There were camels. There were mastodons. There were mammoths. There were bison. There were buffalo. Two different things. Don't get that wrong or somebody will yell at you. There were armadillos the size of Volkswagens running around right here in addition to the dinosaurs, okay? And if you're a young earth creationist, God bless your heart. I was raised strict, conservative, church Christ. I get it but it's just wrong. I'm sorry. Okay. I still love you, but no, 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 it's clearly not right. I don't think that being a Christian and believing in evolution are mutually exclusive. Okay. And you, if you currently believe that's true, you probably ought to do a little more thinking and a little more reading. And I think you'll come join us later and that's okay. Still love you. So sugar and grains, hundred percent, but there's a third ingredient that you can make a, a pizza crust, a jelly donut, Whole wheat, non-GMO bread with seeds on the top. Yeast is that you you do have to have yeast for the bread to rise. Uh, is there is there any essential nutrition in yeast? Brewer's yeast, any yeast, any yeast on the planet that you need. That if you never ate yeast again, you would develop. A, no, there's none. Okay, forget all that's horseshit. Somebody trying to sell you some brewer's yeast. Okay, but there's another ingredient so that's huge. What fat? So, so, so fat. Okay, I agree with that. But what kind of fats in there? Polyunsaturated. We got a scientist in our midst. Okay, so vegetable seed oils. This pizza crust and all these other things are going to have either canola, soybean oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, peanut oil. Walnut oil. Uh, oh, my God, sesame oil. I get in huge fights about that. That's healthy, by God, because my grandmother told me so. All of these plant oils are, are manufactured in a chemical factory using chemicals and, and pressure and heat. You cannot just get a bunch of sesame seeds or a bunch of soybeans and stomp on them and get oil. It doesn't work that way. There's three oils that come from plants. Four you can do that with. Palm oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, olive oil. You can actually literally stomp on those and get oil out. So they're much less unnatural. Does that make sense? So think about that for a moment. You can make a jelly donut out of sugar, grains, and vegetable seed oils, or a pizza crust, or a tortilla wrap, or a, a, a loaf of whole wheat bread. So all the variety 
in the supermarket that you think you can't do without? Is it really variety? Or is it just different iterations of the same damn three worthless, inflammatory, high-carbohydrate junk products? So I want you to, next time you're in the grocery, I want you to just look around. What's what, what Dr. Barry, smart-ass, thinks he knows it all? What, what all's made with, with, with grains, sugar, and seed oils? I want to see it. Go to the cereal aisle. Every single damn box on the aisle. That's the three ingredients. Without exception. The entire pasta aisle. Same three ingredients without exception. Now, some will say spinach pasta and it'll be green. But if you flip it over and do what every grown-ass human in the world ought to do before they buy something with an ingredient list that they're about to put in their mouth or the mouths of their babies, what should you do? Read the ingredients. You're going to see that spinach is the last ingredient on the list. What's the first one going to be? Durham wheat. So spinach pasta? Uh-uh, don't be a fucking moron. You think they really made pasta out of spinach? No, it's wheat. Okay? What other aisles? Now you're like, oh shit, what, what? So there's a reason that you've heard people maybe talk about the, the, the outer wall diet. Real food is in the produce section, the meat section, the dairy section. That's real food. And it's all in the outer wall. Why is it Beer's set? On Beer's on there too. That's right. And we can talk about that. <clears throat> Why do grocery stores do that? Are they doing that to help you buy real food? No, research has shown that people spend, tend to spend more money in the center of the store. Now, they make the highest markup on vegetable oils, grains, and sugar. That's Because literally, those are all subsidized, aren't they, by the federal government? Huh. It's odd, right? Why would the federal government subsidize stuff that Dr. Barry says is shit? I don't know. Maybe ask your congressman. They do that to make more money because they know that's where the majority of people, you just wander to the middle of anything, just like a cow wanders to the middle of the pasture. We do that, and that's where they put the highest markup stuff. But they know most people also want to get some actual real food, so they, they put it there in case you want it, okay? So back to Rufus. So Rufus now, I have, Dr. Barry has grabbed him and slapped him and said, Rufus, stop eating the sugar. Stop all grains. And stop all vegetable seed oils. Never eat them again. And Ruf I scared Rufus because I was armed. <laughs> and I put my hand on my hip and I said, Rufus, if I catch you eating sugar, grains, or vegetable seed oils again, I'll be back, Rufus. I'll be back. And Rufus took me seriously. And now Rufus is like, well, shit. Okay, so he goes to his pantry and he literally throws away every single thing in his pantry except for that one can of green beans that's been there since 1972. Everything in his pantry is made of at least one of those, right? He goes to the fridge and throws away half the stuff in there because it's got at least one of those in it. What's Rufus now? He's got to go to the grocery because he's got no food. What's he going to buy? So we're going to, and we're going to go in order from the most nutrient dense, healthiest food he could possibly buy. And we're going to go down from there. So who, what's the most nutrient dense superfood that has more vitamins, more minerals, more amino acids, more fatty acids than any other food in the store 
What is it? Who? Who's got? She said grass-fed beef. You don't don't mess it up. Come on, somebody say kale. Come at me with kale. You want to say it, don't you? What what you should we say? Avocado, not bad, but not nearly at the top, but pretty darn good. Yeah. Eggs, I like what you're thinking. Somebody said beef liver. Who, who, who eats beef liver? That's the face. I always get that. One person's like, what the fuck? I love it. I love it. A man after my own heart. So if you took 100 grams of beef liver and compared it to 100 grams of avocado, and then I know somebody thought kale, and 100 grams of kale, and 100 grams of blueberries. We just put them out, and we sent them to the lab, and they did the full fatty acid, amino acid, vitamin, and mineral breakdown. Which one is going to blow all the other ones? I mean, out of the water, not even close. <clears throat> You'd have to eat seven pounds of kale to get the nutrition in two ounces of beef liver. Okay? This is the kind of information you don't we don't get. There used to be home ec in high school. There used to be, you know, people actually talked about real food, and now everybody just wants to talk about, have you seen that new flavor of Mountain Dew? It's called Blackberry Madness. I can't wait to try it. Right? It's like we've all become grown-up 12-year-olds. Did you know they've got mac and cheese now in the shape of a little butt? It's got the little crack. It just looks... Grow the fuck up. You're the vast majority of people in modern society. Pretty close to 50% of people under this tent have at least some degree of metabolic syndrome. The criteria for that, high blood pressure, waist circumference bigger than it should be, high triglycerides, high blood sugar. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. How many, how many people don't have high blood pressure, diabetes or type 2 diabetes, fatty liver, or are overweight. Raise your hand. Okay, that's not the majority, folks. Is this tent prepared, truly prepared, for what might come up the road? Think about that. Think about that long and hard. And you can argue with me and call me an asshole all day. That's fine. I'll still love you because I'm a doctor. I've been putting up with that for over two decades. People saying I'm wrong. But go home and think about it. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and think. What would happen if the pharmacy said, dude, the truck ain't come. I don't know when it's going to come. I don't know what to tell you. If you're on three or more prescription medications right now, you are about as fragile as a human being can be. Okay? You are like a blown glass globe that has a one millimeter thick wall that a blind drunk man is walking through this tent carrying. That's about how fragile you are. And I'm not kidding, okay? I'm not playing on this. I'm dead serious. If, if that offends you, good. Good. I hope it pisses you off thoroughly because that'll make you think about it when you get home. If you're, if you're obese, severely obese, if you have type 2 diabetes or prediabetes, if you have metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, fatty liver, if you have any of these conditions, you're as fragile as you can be. You ain't prepared. You're definitely not resilient. And you ain't even a first cousin twice removed to anti-fragile. 
And I know that that's your goal is to be that. And as long as you focus all your attention on your MREs in the basement and how many rounds of ammo you got, you feel like you are prepared. But I can tell you right now, if you come to my compound after something disastrous happens and you're on a list of prescription medications and you're overweight and got fatty liver and type 2 diabetes, we're, we're probably not going to open the gate for you. I'm sorry. But we want people with skills and we want people who are at least resilient, if not anti-fragile. I want somebody that if I say, dude, there's no food, we're not going to be able to eat for five days. I want somebody that's not just going to, first of all, drop dead out of fear and shock. <laughs> like, I've never went more than four hours without eating. What, the, what are you talking about? Okay. I want somebody that is like five-day fast. Boom, let's go. You got water, right? Because I can do it if I got water. Yeah, 100%. We're good. Let's go. Okay. The truck's supposed to be here in five days. We'll get something to eat then. Or maybe I'll kill something in a day or two. We don't know. Because guess what, guys? That's how human beings spent the majority of their time on this planet. 99.99% of it was lived just like that. And if that don't sound like fun to you, you're probably not prepared. How much time we got left? Okay, questions. And that's a lot. I've covered a lot. And I've probably stepped on a few toes. Yes, sir. Yeah. So is there any such thing as an essential carbohydrate? If I locked Rufus in my barn and never gave him another carbohydrate for the rest of his life, would he get sick, suffer, die, or would he actually get healthier? Think about that. Think about that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, no, does it? Does it? Have you ever heard of this thing called gluconeogenesis? Your liver can make glucose at a moment's notice. When's the last time you had more than one gram of carbs, Jack? Uh, I'm on vacation. Okay, never mind. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I will go for weeks without eating one gram of carb. Like literally I'll eat eggs and ground beef and steaks for weeks. And does it seem like my brain's working okay? Okay, so now that what that means... Honey, I ain't constipated. Trust. No, 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 no. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. When you're eating lots of carbohydrates, they're going to be full of fiber, right? Now, what is, what's, let's talk about shit for a minute. What's shit made of? What is shit? Speaking of constipation, what is it? It's waste. So it's things you don't need and can't use. Huh, okay. So the average carnivore, which is what I am, our fecal volume, that's the sexy doctor word for shit, <laughs> fecal, okay? Our fecal volume is about 90% less than somebody eating a vegan diet, vegetarian diet, plant-based diet, standard American diet. Why? Why is that? So you're saying that every single thing I eat on a, carb, a carnivore diet is nutrient-dense. It's literally 100% food. There's no waste in it. Huh. Interesting, right? And so now, what the doctor will tell you if you're having trouble with constipation is that you should eat more fiber, right? So let's think about your colon and your butthole as a freeway and an off-ramp, right? 
So if there was a traffic jam on the freeway, that's constipation, right? So your solution would be to add more cars. <laughs> Big fluffy cars, that'll make the traffic jam better. No. No, if any of you guys suffer from Crohn's, irritable bowel, ulcerative colitis, chronic constipation, any of that stuff, you need to go 100% carnivore. It will fix the problem in one to six months. You literally will poop like a champ, and you'll have something called ghost poops. <laughs> you know what that is? So you go and you literally sit down, and two minutes you're done, and you wipe, and there's nothing on the paper. And you're like, did I really poop? <laughs> and you look, yeah, I did, I pooped. But there's just, it's just like, defecation, that's a fancy word for shitting, <laughs> becomes effortless when you're eating a diet that's pure nutrition because you're going to absorb it all. And so the only thing a carnivore poops out is maybe 1% or 2% waste that was in there, dead epithelial cells and dead bacterial cells. And so literally it's a 90% reduction in the amount of traffic on the freeway so you took 90% of the cars away. Is there still a traffic jam? Just a thought. Just a thought. Yes, ma'am. Can you touch on gut flora? Yeah, so gut flora, very important. Now, when I've been studying the, the microbiome for every, probably 10 years. I've read every book that comes out. I think it's going to be hugely important, hugely powerful. But currently, currently, I'm sorry to say, we don't know shit about shit. We literally, because there for a minute, remember, you want the bacterioides, not the formicutes, right? You want, you want this kind, not this kind. And so then immediately, what did somebody start selling? This particular kind of shit. Literally, there, it was shit. Yeah. Or no, 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 you want this kind of bacteria. Well, guess what? Anybody who tells you you need a specific probiotic for this condition or this, you can literally click the unfollow button because they, they are misleading you or they're misleading themselves. Now, 20 years from now, when more research is done, the microbiome and tweaking it, it's going to be hugely powerful. I can't wait. It's going to be a game changer for medicine. But currently, we don't know shit about shit. So what we've also found with the carnivores, because we like to study ourselves because we're kind of outliers. Like I only eat meat. Maybe I should send off a poop sample to see what's up. Well, what we find is that people that eat only meat, not a, a varied plant-based diet, because that's supposed to encourage, right? We find that carnivores actually have more diversification and a healthier, what we currently think is a healthy microbiome than people eating, definitely eating standard American shit. But even people on a plant-based diet, they have a, they have a more funneled microbiome. And, you're like, and so it's almost like your gut bacteria, just like your body, they basically just need you to shut the hell up and eat real food. They don't need you to buy a probiotic. They don't need you to ferment some pickles. They don't need you to do any of that shit. They just need you to shut up and eat real food. And it's almost like, how, how many times has your heart beat in the last minute? You're not tracking that? Oh, she said something very, that was golden right there. <laughs> She said she's not tracking her heart rate. How many times does your heart beat? You're not tracking that? So you, you, you sloth? <laughs> she said, I'm just trusting it to do what it needs to do. I opine that that 
golden nugget of wisdom applies to the human body as a whole. So when you remove the offending, slow poison, high carbohydrate, inflammatory poison, and you give that to the neighbor that you don't really like, and then you fill your cupboard and your fridge with proper human food, and then you proceed to eat that and never touch that shit again, I trust my bowels to do just what they need to do. Get it? You see how it makes sense? How, how, how many times have you breathed in the last minute? What if a guru said, now look, I know you're breathing 16 times a minute. I know, I know, and that's not bad. But for optimal health, I really need you to breathe 60 times a minute, every minute for the rest of your life. Now you laugh at that, but you understand that there are thousands of well-paid health gurus out there telling you to drink half your body weight in ounces of water a day, and your dumb ass is doing that, thinking that that's, that matters. Anybody want to raise their hand that they've been trying to drink more water? Because somebody told them that even though they're conscious and not in the intensive care unit, that they're somehow dehydrated, right? That's horseshit. Horseshit. That'd be like me, literally, think about it. Is it not exactly the same thing as if I said, honey, you're not breathing. You need to breathe 60 times a minute, every minute. Start, go. You'd be like, uh, okay, dude. Does, but do you see, once you, once you get that concept that she brilliantly said, you can apply that to pretty much every part of the human body. You don't need a liver cleanse. You know what the ultimate liver cleanse is? Duct tape your mouth. Don't eat fast. Literally, how many anybody want to admit that you spent money on a liver cleanse or a liver detox or a kidney cleanse? Right? It sounded good. It was probably based on fruit juices, which actually. Yeah, yeah. When he was first starting to think about his health, first starting, and that's when they get you. It's when you're motivated but you're not educated. You're like, I don't know. A liver cleanse sounds good, right? I don't know. It's only $49.95. You just wasted money that you could have been buying bacon and eggs and steak with. You don't need any of that shit. None of that. If you want to cleanse your liver, your body is a self-cleaning oven. Think about it. We've been doing this for over 2 million years. You don't think your body has figured this shit out? You don't think it needs Guru Rufus to say, hey, here's my liver cleanse. Do you really think your body needs that? That's stupid. Not you, my friend. I've, I've, I've wasted money on supplements thinking it mattered. Okay? If you're eating a nutrient-dense diet that contains all four of those things in the proper proportions, do you need any supplements? Now, we're going to add to that getting daily sunlight because humans have been doing that for over two and a half million years. Right? Does sunlight cause cancer? I got a chapter in my book about that. Think about it. Does that make any sense? That just starting in 1970, the sun was uniquely carcinogenic. Ooh, she said sunscreen causes cancer. I mean, sunscreen hasn't been around for 3 million years, but the sun has. And skin cancer rates really started to jack up in the 70s. Did the sun just pop into the sky in 1977? 
Come on. Come on. Think. Think. Grow the fuck up and think. Low vitamin D. I bet that's important. How do you make vitamin D? Also, how do you get more nitric oxide? You can either eat bacon, which she would be opposed to. Are you, are you anti-sun too? So you're anti-bacon and anti-sun. I mean, do you, or should you be here? <laughs> Just messing with you. Just me- a question. Other questions. Yes, sir. Yeah. So the question is the difference between natural desiccated thyroid replacement hormone and, and synthetic. So what's another word for synthetic? Fake? Oh, somebody said fake. Okay, so... Is Synthroid, levothyroxine, is it actually T4? Huh? No, it says it's T4 out there on the bottle. Huh? Can you get a patent on a naturally occurring molecule? You actually, you're starting to be able to now. Yeah, in the agricultural. Yeah, that's true. But in currently in medicine, could I get a patent on water? No. But now if I added a little weird molecule to it, a little extra element here or there, then could I get a patent on it? Yeah. So levothyroxine is not real T4. It's pseudo sort of T4 that's patented. They get to charge you for it. Okay. So desiccated thyroid replacement like Armor, Nature, Urfa, WPMP, they're actually real T4. And they also contain T3 and T2 and T1 and T0 and calcitonin. Those are all the things your thyroid needs, not just fake T4. So that's why I encourage everybody, if you're on levothyroxine currently, find a healthcare provider who will switch you to a natural desiccated thyroid that actually contains real T4. Uh, There's a website called stopthethyroidmadness.com, and there's a list of providers there. Other questions? Yes, sir. Uh, I find sometimes that um, the explanation that these are the essentials for us so that, therefore, that's real... All you really need is the same as the recommended daily amount allows for your vitamins. Yep. That's what you need to survive. What about supplementing with herbs, spices, mushrooms, yeah. Yeah. things we have had access to over the last couple million years? Yep. Will that bring us to a place of quiet? Like, won't that? Excellent question. Okay, so uh, the FDA, the, the daily recommended intake. That's just to keep you from, does everybody know that's just to keep you from having a deficiency, right? That's in no way saying this is the optimal level. A lot of people think that. That's not what it means. So you're getting just enough vitamin D to not get rickets. You're getting just enough vitamin C to not get scurvy. Okay? So his question is, what about supplements? Shouldn't we do that to get more? And so then we come back to, we know what we need. We pretty much know the, the amounts we need. If you can't get that from your food, then you probably should supplement. If you can't get enough sun and you can't eat enough vitamin D rich foods, which I have a YouTube video on that lists them, then you should probably supplement with vitamin D. Three. Maybe I, maybe I asked, I'm sorry, but, uh, aren't there things that we can get that are natural Excellent question. So, so are there things other than these that would help? That's a great question. So, but let's think about it from an ancestral perspective. Did did our ancestors a hundred thousand years ago have a GNC? 
No. They had what they could catch and put in their mouth. They drank river water, stream water, mud puddle water. Yeah, 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 right. Right. And so maybe, maybe some plants do serve a medicinal. Yes, maybe. Some fungus may serve a medicinal or an optimization. Maybe. At least that's plausible. But there ain't shit from a chemical factory that's going to optimize 100%, right? Now, let's talk about phytonutrients. You love phytonutrients. I know you do. <laughs> Can, do you know the list of essential phytonutrients? It's because there's not one. Yeah. There's not a single essential phytonutrient. You hear, that's all you hear about on the health news. It's, oh, beets, the little tiny nubbin root of a beet, it contains this phytochemical called blah, 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 blah. And it has been shown in research to extend your life by 20 years. Every day we see an article like that, right? Okay, that's all bullshit. And here's why. All of that research is epidemiological. Now, if you don't know what that means, just insert the word bullshit instead, okay? <laughs> what it means is, is it's based on food frequency questionnaires, which means here's a multiple choice test. You're going to be judging what you think I think about you based on your answers, and I am going to be judging you based on what your answers are. So go ahead and fill that out objectively. Right? Okay. That's what those kind of studies are based on. They, are, they do not show causation. They do not show proof. They only can show a possible association. That's it. And you don't have to be an epidemiologist to get this. I'm just telling you there are certain kinds of studies we can do that will show causation. But that study about the little hangy-dangy on the bottom of a beat having this certain, certain now it's 100%. That was epidemiological research. It proves nothing. There is no such thing as an essential phytonutrient. In fact, we should be calling them phytochemicals because that's what they are. And plants usually put them inside of themselves to make you sick if you eat them. That's why they're there. Is that it? I could do this all day. Okay, I got something to say about this. We, we have scheduled Dr. Barry over a lunch break on purpose because you're going to keep asking him questions for the next hour, which is totally okay. 100%. Yeah. But some of you may want to go to lunch. And so let me interject here. And then if you want to keep going, the camera is going to probably close the session yeah. online yeah, so they can switch things out. You can tell us what you really think, all of that good stuff. First of all, I love it when this guy comes every time. And I'm really thankful to Dr. Barry because I watched him speak for the first time and went home and lost 20 pounds. <laughs> And I was like, wow, I got energy now. I got more to go, but I'm really, like, I had not been cracking that nut, and I hit 45, and, man, it was like, boom, 20 pounds on, 40 pounds went on. It's amazing how fast that happens at that age. So uh, there's a lot that you can learn from him, and I will let you keep going yep, for yep. anybody who wants to stay here. The next session here is at 145. Yep. At probably 1.30 latest, we need to start doing some AV kick, stuff. Just kick me out. When I'm going to talk done. about lunch. The pig we processed yesterday is for sale as pulled pork sandwiches. They're almost out, actually. Uh, those are at the tent. There are some wonderful keto-friendly salads that was some bologna salad because she says that's not very approved because you talk about bologna all the time. <laughs> and she's got a chicken salad, really tasty over there. Um, there's also a booth with, I think... I don't, it's like got hummus and some other things there that John, who was just there, is running. Um, there's some salads over at that. And then the gas station where we did parking, 
also has really good sandwiches. It's got a little kitchen in there. Um, he was kind up. enough to let us park there. So if anybody's feeling inclined to, to spread the, the love over at the gas station, those are all lunch options. Ken, I'm going to so let you keep going. People, if you want to file out, you can do that too. We'll be back here at 145. Let's give him a round of applause and then keep going. Yeah, so you can turn it back up. Ken, you're back on. Ken's not listening to a word I said. Yeah. You can keep going if you want. Okay, they're turning your mic back on. Okay. You go for it. All right, guys. Yes, sir. <laughs> Say that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a very common malady for men and also for women. Women need testosterone too. If you don't know that, you need to look that up. But as you get older, on average, it looks like testosterone kind of plummets, right? Now, is that after decades of, of a shitty diet that's causing that? Or is that just an age-related thing that it just goes down? We don't know for sure because all the research has been done on a metabolically ill population. All the research, right? And so maybe if you wean your children off onto a proper human diet, like we did Beckett, who's now two and a half, when he's 70, he may still have a testosterone of 900. We don't know. But in the interim, all of us who are stuck after our decades of a shitty diet, yeah, I'm 100% for bioidentical hormone optimization. I think many of us need that. But what we found in the carnivore community is that women, when they convert from standard American high-carb inflammatory shit diet to a proper human diet, and that can be low-carb, keto, ketovore, carnivore. That's the spectrum. They notice that their testosterone goes up anywhere from 5 to 20 points. Men notice that their testosterone goes up anywhere from 50 to the latest, I've, the highest I've ever seen is 300 points. That's a lot. You're like, shit, oh, okay. So, but that's just from eating mainly fatty meat and eggs with the yolk. That's, and so we don't, nobody knows why because it hasn't been studied. We just know that we, this guy had a, te a testosterone of 250, 240. So after 90 days of a proper, of just beef, butter, bacon, and eggs, 90 days, eat as much as you want, eat as often as you want. If you want a snack, you can, but you're not going to want to. Eat as many times a day as you want. And after 90 days, you're going to go recheck your testosterone, and it's going to be somewhere between 50 and 300 points higher for free. And if anybody, if any of you guys have checked into testosterone replacement therapy, it ain't free. Yes, ma'am. Yep, 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 yep. So food allergies to pork, eggs, and dairy. Now, <clears throat> who kind of suspects that all these food allergies that we have these days, probably 50,000 years ago, there was no such thing. Okay, so what's changed? Why? What do you think's causing that? Yeah, it could be the additives, the colors, the, the dyes, the, the flavorings, the artificial crap. But more than likely, it's just the chronically high-carb inflammatory foods that keep your insulin level chronically high, which keeps your immune system chronically pissed off. It can't just calm down and say, okay, is this a threat or not a threat? No, it's not a threat. Don't worry about it. Because pork, there's nothing in pork that humans should be reacting to. 
Now, is it something the pigs are eating? Maybe. Right? Something they're feeding the chickens. Maybe. But should a human, any human on the planet be allergic to an egg? Like that literally, that, that'd be like, that's like being allergic to water or being allergic to air. That shouldn't exist. And so either it's their inflammatory diet that has their immune system thoroughly confused and it's reacting to things it shouldn't be reacting to. Or it's something in the diet of the pig or the chicken. And that's why for many people with weird immune and autoimmune things, I recommend ruminant meat only. Because you know ruminants are magical. They literally turn grass and cellulose into the most nutritious human food on the planet. And even people with severe autoimmune problems and allergic to everything, 99.99% of the time they can eat a ruminant meat and it does not affect them at all. It actually calms down their immune system. And many people who are allergic to eggs, if they'll stop eating the grocery store chicken eggs and switch to duck eggs, quail eggs, goose eggs, or just eat the yolk of the grocery store egg, 99.99% of the time they do just fine. These things work. They they check for the IgG antibody too, right? Okay. Do you people don't realize this, and it's it's fine if you don't have the nerd life that I have, where you just study human physiology all the time. Everything, every time you eat something, every single time you evoke an immune response to that food, even if it's a perfect food. Your immune system, you actually, you know, you have more neurons and more lymph tissue around your gut, right? So what do you think it's doing there? It's constantly monitoring, starting at your tonsils, which I hope you still have. It's constantly monitoring your food and, and saying, hey, what's this? And when it does that, that's, that's a little minor immune response. And if you're like, oh, no, that's beef. We've seen that before. It's fine. Okay. But your IgG bumps up when it goes, hey, what's this? Okay. So food sensitivity testing is utter bullshit. What it means is you've eaten that food recently. That's all it means if your IgG levels are high. And so what foods did they tell you you are sensitive to that you're like, dude, I eat that all the time? I was having a real bad reaction to it, but it's gluten. And, and it's gluten. After I went on a food cleanse, yeah. I reintroduced it, got high, took a breathe, it swelled up, all that. Yeah. What human on the planet is not at least some degree allergic to gluten? We all are. Because it's not an optimization food, it's a starvation food. If you're starving to death, and even if you got gluten sensitivity, at some point you need to eat the wheat. Or you're gonna die. <clears throat> you I mean, you know, you can live with the shits and you can live with hives and you can live with gut distress, but if you don't eat, you're gonna die at some point. And so all grains have molecules in them like gluten and gliadin. People think it's oh, it's just wheat. No. Corn has zen in it. Same it's same shape molecule. Every grain, every grass seed has an inflammatory molecule in it. And that's why a lot of people, when they go gluten-free, they do get better, 
But when they go grain-free, that's the night and day difference. Yes. Yay! I love you. I work with a lot of cycling women, obviously, in their cycling childbearing years. And I've noticed a, a problem come up with women in their cycling years. Um, and I'm curious if you have found a solution for this. Uh, after they have been in a ketogenic state for quite some time, um, in that gluconeogenesis, the, the the level of cortisol that their bodies have had to maintain to stay in that state um, really starts to deplete their minerals. And you start seeing a lot of mineral depletion symptoms after maybe a year, some women it's two years, some as many as five, but like the, they start feeling better right away doing a carnivore or keto kind of lifestyle, uh, but it doesn't last. Yeah. So, what do you have to say to that? Well, I haven't, I haven't seen that at all. I, I, I know carnivore women, keto women who have been doing it for 20, 25 years. Now, the people who have trouble may fall off and not message me. That may be. I don't know. But there's no – what I try to do is think of the, how does that work physiologically. I always go back to the physiology, like what pathway? How does that work? And what we see when we monitor serum cortisols, especially in women, when they change from a standard American diet or even a whole food plant-based diet to a real whole food, one ingredient keto diet that's heavy in fatty meat and eggs with the yolk, their cortisol levels trend down back to normal. That's what I've, I haven't, I haven't seen an example of where it actually goes up. Well, and I've, I've seen that too with women who still maintain fruit and root vegetables. Though I, I don't doubt that at all. So they're, they're really not in ketosis if they're eating those things. So they're not eating a ketogenic diet. Well, no, that's like that's well nice. during the night when they're not eating, they may be in ketosis. That's but as soon as they eat, they're out. Yeah. Well, and the, this, bring, this comes to the question a lot of people have, is it, is it safe and is it optimal to be in ketosis all the time? Right. Well, then now we start, we say, okay, let's talk about our ancestors. 100,000 years ago, you live in Norway. Okay, and it's you're a cycling woman, and it's uh, August. What are you going to eat for the next six months? You're going to eat fatty meat, quail blubber, seal blubber, caribou, reindeer. Are there any vegetables? Are there any berries? Any plant? Any green thing at all in Norway? After all, no, there's none. And your your family's lived there for eighty thousand years, and yet somehow the women were able to cycle enough that they kept reproducing. Because here you are. And every single one of you guys need to understand your, your success rate is 100%. You are very successful. You are the successful reproduction from literally back before we were human. Every single grandparent that you had up until you successfully reproduced. And that's another very powerful argument. A lot of people have never thought of that before. Like there's, there hasn't been a single couple in your past that failed to reproduce. If there was a single couple like that, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't exist. That's how successful you are. Literally for millions of years, you are nothing, you're, you are success personified, right? And so then you think, well, how's that? So, but now we have to carb cycle, but they didn't. 
or we have to we have to have carbs or our cortisol gets too high messes up our cycle how how are we not extinct if that's true well, my, well I, I i do think dehydration preservation of some things was a, a factor eventually yes yeah yeah starting about 15,000 years ago that's right yeah yeah so but i also don't see traditional foods being completely carbohydrate-free anywhere. Traditional foods starting about 13,000 years ago okay. and, and forward, so yeah. how much have we adapted as a species? And that's a long time. That's, no, that, that, that's a classic m- misunderstanding. In anthropological time, 12,000 years is literally the blink of an eye. There is no room in 12,000 years to evolve. The two things that we've been able to do in 12,000 years is about 25% of the human population has been able to develop a, a lactase gene defect that allows us to be lactose tolerant as adults. 75% of the people in the world don't have that defect. But about 25% of us over the last eight or 9,000 years, we've been able to maximize on that. And so now 25% of the human population can digest lactase as an adult. That's one of them. The other is amylase to break down starch. We've actually upregulated that in the last eight or 9,000 years so that we can break down, start breaking down starch in our mouth, whereas other carnivores don't do that at all. That, those, that's literally the extent of the evolution that's happened over the last 12,000 years. And to get any degree of meaningful evolution, you have to be talking about hundreds of thousands of years or you're not going to get any of that. Okay, so my, my next question then is, is what about the mineral deficiency symptoms of vaccine? Like, is there a way, is there a balance? Are they eating liver? Uh, most of them, yeah. Good. So if they're developing a mineral deficiency and they're eating liver routinely, then they've got some kind of genetic defect. They need to see a geneticist or something because that literally the, the vitamins and minerals in liver are almost as close to 100% bioavailable and absorbable. So what do you think, are, what's happening to the minerals that they're eating? What do you think, they're just disappearing? Yeah, they, I think they're burning through them too quickly. They're burning the minerals. I, like, I think they're using them up too fast. Because our body recycles minerals, right? We don't, we don't burn them for fuel and we don't excrete them unless we have a surplus. We keep those and we, the, the kidneys pull those back out. Well, I don't see depletion. You said you did, but I, I've, every time I check that, I see repletion is what I see. But like depletion just in general, like people who are mineral depleted, how do they get mineral depleted? By eating a standard American diet. Are you testing the speed levels? No. Because the genes take, no, I'm going to bring it. There's cases where they say, this is what's going to migrate your minerals in and out of your system. Yeah. 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 That's my suspicion. They're just not keto, yeah. Yeah. And, yep, 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 yeah. And there's a keto's becoming very popular, right? Slim Fast has got keto shakes. There's keto bread. That's hor- yeah, right. And so. Anytime something becomes popular, the big corporations are going to cash in on that, right? I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have keto toilet paper soon. It's keto, right? So the vast majority of people who think they're doing keto, they're not really doing keto. They're, they're, they're 
doing a lot of these products and they're doing, and then there's also a couple of gurus on YouTube that say that keto is eating seven to 10 cups of salad a day. And that's total horseshit. There's no way you can be in meaningful ketosis or be getting the vitamins and minerals you need if you're eating seven to 10 cups of salad a day. You literally are going to be mineral deficient if you're eating that much, that many plants a day. And that's every time I dig into a case like this, that I find they're either eating all the keto cakes and cookies and fries and keto shell shakes, or they're eating seven a big ass salad two or three times a day, and that's locking up all their minerals and keeping them from from absorbing them. And so, if you look at the nutrition printout of what they're actually eating, it's mineral rich. But then, if you if you look at the minerals they're absorbing, they're not. They're shitting them out. And that's that's probably if you really dig into the, their diet specifically, you'll find one of those two things is true almost every time. Give me a mic. Okay, cool. No, um, like, and the other thing is, I do get your point that our ancestors probably ate some carbohydrates, but when and for how long and what duration, right? So, if you think, like, I think about growing up in the mountains, and when blackberries came around, I ate the shit out of some blackberries for like two weeks, right? Wild strawberries, we ate those for like a week, and there was a lot less of them, and they're tiny. Right. So I do think there's probably a time in our like carbohydrate cycling. Like when he says that and I say that, I think we mean different things because he's talking about the general term and I'm talking about like ancestral history. Yeah. Me and Jack believe you should carb cycle once a year. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. And that's what, what our people did. Yeah. And what does that biochemically do to us? It puts fat on and it puts fat on really, 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 really good. And yep. this is this is the conspiracy that's not a conspiracy. If I want to make you eat, I put fat and sugar together, and you will eat the shit out of it. And once I get, even if you're Ken, if I if I trick his ass and I get him to eat, like yep. these are keto nubs, add a little keto salt, nubs. add a little salt, a little salt to, salt to yep. that. That's it. And it's like half fat, half sugar. About three days later, he's like, "You got any more of them things? Yep. You got any more of them yep. things? You're gonna 100%. eat the shit out of it." But if it yep. goes away, so in that situation, I'm not a doctor. I'm not Ken. I don't know, but maybe that person would benefit. From a couple handfuls of blackberries two weeks out of the year with yep. some really fatty salmon at the same time. But that would be it. And then you have to have the discipline to understand that you have to eat that in mimic of what our ancestors did. Because our ancestors did not carb cycle the way that the term is used in you know, running and fitness and all the shit. They couldn't have done it. It's not possible. And I would challenge anybody, let's go out in these woods right now, find me some carbon, other than fig trees that John waters and takes care of, which, by the way, have no figs you can eat on them right now. Go find me carbohydrates in those woods right now. Yep. And you can't. But if we come here in the spring, right, or there's some blackberries right over there, they're red and bitter as shit, they will be ripe about two weeks from now, and that's all you have. And I think if you're going to do that, then that's the duration we're talking about. We're talking about very short duration. It should be from as close to wild sources as we could get because those blackberries over there, they're not going to be as big as our finger, right? That's not going to happen. Like, I don't know, other than the tropics, when, so it's very, I don't know where you could get. Well, it's a very popular belief that in the tropics, between Cancer and Capricorn around the equator, that fruit just grows year round. And that is not true whatsoever. I used to say that a few years back. I said it on a Facebook Live seven years ago. And a guy messaged me. He's like, hey, Bubba, you need to do a little more research because the the fruit at the equator is also seasonal. You, there's not just mango hanging it's and pineapples. Seasons. It's just, yeah, they it's have two, two seasons and that's it. And that's when it, so literally, so they carb cycle twice a year. Yeah. 
for two a, a week here and a week here, and that's it. And so it, it is true that that any mammal, when you put it in a repetitive condition, <clears throat> it's probably going to evolve somehow to maximize that. And we know for sure that humanity maximized the ability to store fat real damn efficiently when the berries and the fruit are ripe, just like the bear does, right? Just like any mammal out in the woods, when the when the, the buckberries and the huckleberries, when they're ripe, they eat the shit out of them and they try their damnedest to gain five or 10 pounds of pure fat. We don't need to do that, right? Because there, there is no famine currently. There's always food at the 7-Eleven or the grocery store. So we don't need to do that to put on five or 10 pounds of fat. But our ancestors 100,000 years ago, 100%, when the fruit was ripe, you gorged on it, just like bears do. You tried to gain 20 pounds of pure fat so that your ass didn't starve to death during the winter. Make sense? And that's what I was asking. And so it is possible that our, we evolved to also use that for other things besides just storing fat. That is possible, but nobody's shown that to be the case yet. But if anything, and so would I be shocked to find some research that actually a, a, the female menstrual cycle is, is better and more productive and more procreative if they have access to more carbs? That wouldn't surprise me a bit because you guys are just difficult anyway. Yeah. And I, I, I'm pure speculating here, but without – like if you have a woman and she's staying really lean all the time, that's bad, right? Like you know that there, there yep. should be a, a, a fluctuation. Yep, because that is natural that we would put on this weight. Yep. So then, if you're going to stay lean, then maybe you do need to be supplementing vitamin D. And if you're supplementing D, you need to be supplementing K2. Yep, you have yep. to do both. Yep, unless you take your K2 levels and they're good, and it's only your D3 that's deficient. I would still like. K2 won't fucking hurt you. You can take as much of it as you want. So, yep. like, Agreed. I would go to there first before I said, okay, you need to start cycling yep. freaking hoagie rolls or and something. And a, a like, big yeah. problem, a big, a big problem currently is our false belief in what the ideal female human should look like, right? A healthy female human should be 15 to 25% body fat. A human healthy male should be 10 to 20%. Okay? Now, if you're more than that, you're unhealthy. If you're less than that, you're unhealthy in a different way. But that's why female bodybuilders, female fitness, they'll stop having periods when they get under 15-ish. And there's a range. But under 15%-ish body fat, they'll stop having periods. Now, does anybody think not having a period is probably healthy? No, no, no. So these fitness models who literally you can see their vasculature in their abdominal muscles, right? You see the veins. Is that a picture of health? No, 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 no. Maybe a picture of fitness, but that's not optimal health. And that's what I'm going for. I want you to be the healthiest human you can be. You need, if you're a female, 15 to 25% body fat. And if you're above that, you, got, you need to work on that. If you're below that, you need to go and eat some fruit and put on some body fat. Yeah. Short term. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for that. I love how you're thinking, by the way. Thank you. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, speak to like regular keto versus high fat keto. Yep. And the carnivore in terms of being able to have a little bit of vegetables. Yep. Yep. And I guess dairy have a 
So a carnivore diet with a little bit of vegetable, that's not a carnivore diet. That's a keto diet, right? Uh, a keto diet, what was your first part of your question? Yeah, okay. So a, keto, a ketogenic diet, by definition, is a high-fat diet. Now, there are higher versions, higher-fat versions. So everybody in here needs to be eating at least one-to-one fat-to-protein. By grams of food, not by macros, but by ounces of food, one-to-one fat-to-protein. Some people need two-to-one. Some people, if they're using it therapeutically, like for to, to control seizures or autoimmune or other things, they need a three-to-one or even a four-to-one fat-to-protein ratio. So they're literally cooking their 70, 30 ground beef in bacon grease and then putting butter on top of it. And that's their keto. That's super high fat keto. And some people need that. Not everybody does, but every human, I think, needs at least a one to one fat to protein ratio. Some fats do. So all of the animal fats, uh, there might be an exception you may know, but most of the animal fats, you can cook them up to 320. and we squeeze this oil out of them. That's a relatively new thing that we would have the time and ability and the Only for about 6,000 years to extract we've been doing that. that, right? So normally we It's the 15,000-year cutoff, right? So, so many things we've only been doing yeah. for the last few thousand years. How long have we been drinking coffee? 4,000 years probably. There's evidence four or 5,000 years. Does, that's not ancestrally appropriate. I freaking love coffee. As soon as I get done here, I'm going to go drink some more. Yeah, it's, not, I, it's not ancestrally appropriate, okay? For some people, it raises their triglycerides. For some people, it causes significant gut inflammation. Even with the mold-free coffee, don't, don't come at me. I'm ready, I'm ready for you. Even the real pristine coffee causes inflammation. And in some few people, it even raises their blood sugar, okay? It's not. Alcohol, four or 5,000 years. Drinking liquid dairy, 8,000 years max, okay? Cheese, six 7,000 years. Yogurt, six 7,000 years. Like all this stuff we think we've been doing forever, no. The only thing we've been doing forever is breathing air, drinking water, and killing shit and eating it. That's literally the only three things that we've been doing consistently on a daily basis for our entire existence as a, a family on this planet, those three things, everything else is something that we had to add later on down the road. Uh, anthropologists love to talk about the, art, the, the agricultural revolution, like it was a big damn discovery and it was a great boon and benefit to humanity. We adopted agriculture because it was either that or starved to death.
because of whatever happened that destroyed the megafauna, there wasn't enough food. And so we had to figure out how, how do we going to get more food? And there was that one crazy chick that lived out on the edge of the village who grew plants and collected the seeds. And they're like, well, I mean, maybe she, you know, maybe let's try that. And so we started learning how to plant stuff. And then agriculture sprang up, making possible, by the way, you understand if we still lived in a hunter-gatherer situation, which I don't condone and I don't want. I love modern society. But there'd be no such thing as big farmer and big food, right? They wouldn't exist, literally would not exist if we were still in our pristine environment. Just saying. Well, so if you look at ancient civilizations in North America after the fall of the megafauna, which was at the end of, you know, from the end of the Younger Dryas forward, after yes. the glaciers retreated, all of our civilizations, until we started basically creating like city-state monarchies, because when we first settled this, I say, you know, Europeans first settled this area, we think of like the Indians were out living on the buffalo and what have you. That was after we destroyed them with our diseases. There, there was agriculture here, and they had all the problems that we did. But leading up to that, all the settlements and civilizations were either on the coasts or they were on the banks of rivers, yep. which makes sense because without water, you die. That's right. Well, what did they eat? Well, we found these huge mounds, and we're like, well, there must have been a pharaoh like Pharaoh Ken Berry, and they buried his ass in there. And maybe they Under did. this huge mound of shells. Fucking shells, right? Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. okay, so now if I've got an oyster or a clam, I have this incredibly high-fat, high-nutrient-dense. Superfood. 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 And it doesn't run away. I just go and pick it up. Hey, look, is this good? Like, And the first, you eat it. Yeah, right. That, ate, that, that looks like, like boogers. You eat it. Yeah. Somebody ate it and went, right. hey, this isn't half bad. And didn't die. And they threw that shit in the fire, and it looked a little bit less boogerish. Yep. And so they lived huge, huge amounts on these shellfish or the migrations of the bison, which yep. was the one ruminant megafauna that survived this period. All the rest of our remaining megafauna, they're not ruminants, they're browsers. Deer are, I love them, but deer are browsers. Elk are browsers. They don't go out and live in the middle of the field. They live off of the edge system. But they still ruminate. They still, well, they still ruminate. to a degree, yeah, not yeah, to the yeah. level of a bison. A That's bison true. actually can live on grass. That's like right. Elk exactly. can't live on grass yeah, alone. Exactly. And yeah, and the, I, I didn't actually we probably wouldn't have made it. If the I didn't, bison didn't make it, we probably wouldn't have made it. That's on this continent. Yes, 100 percent true. 100 percent But Jack's right. They the, the archaeologists literally found shell mounds as high as this tent. Yeah. And at first they were trying to say, well, maybe it's a religious, like a pyramid or something. And it's like, no, that's just their damn shell pile. Like, you know, when you're in college and you had your beer can collection, that that was their their shell pile. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Ah, yes. So grain-finished beef versus grass-fed beef. Is there a huge difference? Does it matter? Is one healthier than the other? Yeah? Okay. There is a difference. So first of all, let's talk about all beef in the United States that you can buy at the grocery market. Even the cheapest beef at the convenience store. They shouldn't even sell beef, right? Like literally the cheapest beef you can find grazed on grass for 70 or 80% of its life. How many people did not know that? Even the cheapest ass, you know that 10-pound stick, it looks like a stick of bologna beef. 70 to 80% of their life, they were on grass because it's too, it's too cost-prohibitive prohibitive to feed them in a feedlot their whole life. So you turn them out to pasture until they're 15 months old 
Then you bring them into the feedlot their last three months and you gorge them on grains to put fat in the meat. That's how that's done. So even the cheapest beef is, is grass-fed for 80% of its life. So grass-finished beef would be left out and they're going to have to graze for longer. So they're probably not 18 months old. They're maybe 24, 36 months old when they're harvested because it takes longer to fatten them up on grass. It's, you can do it, but it takes longer. Not cost-effective, therefore big food. No, no, no. Bring them into the feedlot. Now, the omega-3 to omega-6 profile is about 3% different. Grass finished is better. It is better. It has more phytonutrients in it. Yeah, beef has phytonutrients. People don't realize that. I'm reading a paper about it right now. It has a higher degree of phytonutrients. It has more omega-3 fatty acids. It has a better fatty acid profile. It is about 3 to 5% healthier. Now, what's the difference in cost? Five minutes. Grass finish is typically anywhere from a buck a pound more to 20 bucks a pound more. It, it, so it depends on your financial situation. If you can afford grass finished, buy it. But if, it, if you're like, shit, dude, I'll be able to buy two ounces of beef. That's all I can afford. You're still getting an amazing amount of the nutrients from the cheapest beef you can buy. People want to badmouth bologna and spam and potted meat. And they're like, oh, you don't know what's in there. You're right, you don't. And you may not want to know, but I do. And so I actually looked into it. Guess what? They take all the leftover meat, right? The scrapings and scraps, but they also put organ meats in there. You're, that's And that's what people, that's what the average person doesn't want to know. It's like, there's probably peckers and noses in there. Remember, what movie is that from? Sling Blade, that's right. There probably is peckers and noses and kidneys and hearts and ain't no damn telling what's in their ears and tongues. But do you understand that kind of makes bologna a superfood and hot dogs? Think about it. It's, it literally has got the stuff in it I was telling you to eat earlier. So my, in my house, Beckett eats bologna and hot dogs. We eat that shit all the time. Now, does it have some preservatives? <clears throat> and some colors and this and yeah yeah it's got a little of that is it perfect no but i'm i'm fine with it and so if you're if money's an issue at your house eat the best meat you can afford no he's not in trouble that's your that's your deal. am i done you're yeah i'm done you okay thank you so much guys i'll be around Somebody like everybody.
Yeah! 